Kia ora and welcome to the Female Career Podcast. My name's Anna Johnston and I work as a leadership and career coach for women. I'm looking forward to sharing with you an inspiring collection of career stories of a diverse range of women of Aotearoa New Zealand. I hope that by listening to these stories, you'll feel inspired in your own career. If you do enjoy this story, please head along to our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we have lots more stories of wonderful Kiwi women and their careers. We'd also love you to subscribe to our podcast so that you have all the episodes at your fingertips. And please do tell your friends and family about it too. For now, though, I hope you enjoy listening to this career story. So I'm really looking forward to speaking today with Alana Gunn. Alana is head coach of Canterbury United Pride women's football team, and she's coached the team to three successive victories in the National League in the past three years. And I'm really looking forward to hearing more about her and her career journey today. Kia ora, Alana, and thank you very much for joining me. Hi, Anna. Thanks for having me. Ah, you're welcome. So the first question I'd love to ask you is to take you back to when you were a child or, or maybe even to when you were a teenager. What careers were you thinking about at that stage? Yeah, I definitely wasn't overly career-driven when I was at high school. Both my siblings were. They very much were heading in a direction. I played a lot of sport. I always knew I wanted to be a mum, and that's um, about as far as it went, really. Yeah, so when I left school, I didn't really have a direction. I knew I wanted to be a footballer, and that probably wasn't a pathway at the time at all, but that kind of didn't stop me from, I guess, wanting to go down that direction. Unfortunately, I had some pretty serious injuries that kind of removed that option out of my life. Yeah, really interesting. And I think that for many people in New Zealand, they grow up perhaps wanting to pursue sport as a career. And I guess the challenge is that for very many years for women, having a professional paid career in sport has not really been an option until maybe it's just starting to become an option now. Yeah, it is just starting to become an option. In football, especially we I encourage girls now to look abroad and even if it's a scholarship to a university where they can get a free education out of their sport, it's definitely a positive um, direction that the sport is going in. Yeah, it absolutely is. And I think at the same time, a lot of women who do play sport to a very high level have had to juggle that around other work or study commitments, sometimes kind of working a number of jobs to, to make that work. Yeah, that's right. They do. Even now when we're looking at players that are playing around the world a lot of them are school teachers that they do have full-time works that they are that they have to manage around the training and the games and and the season yeah great well tell me then about what were your first jobs and what did you learn from some of those yep i was a um, traditional kiwi kid and had a paper run which was good to keep me fit and healthy and out of the house which i'm sure my mother appreciated and then worked in hospitality so Part of my journey becoming a coach and where I am now is I've always had to have a job. So I was involved in hospitality early, got taught how to make really nice coffee. So was in cafes for a couple of years before I got involved in a wholesale business, a coffee wholesale business, um, where I stayed for about 12 years. So that enabled me to be able to pursue coaching in a role where it wasn't paid and spend time there as well. And tell me about some of the highlights, but also, I guess, those the challenges, two of those first years of your career. Yeah, I think the highlights, when I first started in a direction, it was quite late. It was I was in kind of my late 20s when I decided that coaching was the route I was going to go down. It was the first time in my life that I'd kind of, the penny had dropped and I decided that this is what I wanted to make my career out of. Um, what that looked like was still 
very unsure, but I was prepared to take my time and do what I needed to do to, I guess, get into a position where I could be a full-time paid coach. So that was a highlight, I guess, that moment where I finally found my drive and my passion. Um, Some of the challenges, I guess, when you have to work 40, 50 hours a week on top of whatever you do. I don't think it was hard, but it was a challenge at times because I think if you look at when you have to sit courses and go on tournaments throughout a, a year, you do that four or five times a year. So that's up to six weeks worth of leave. So you generally don't get a holiday. All your leave goes towards those sort of things that you have to do to, to maintain or I guess to improve and increase your ability within coaching. But I don't regret any of it either. I've really enjoyed what I did outside of football. It helped with the balance that my life needed at the time. I think having those two areas probably gives some perspective as well, which I can imagine for coaching, it does become quite all-consuming otherwise. Yeah, that's right. You can um, kind of get sucked into spending every moment (laughs) thinking about it, post a game, pre a game and all that sort of stuff. So I was very fortunate in my employment right up till today. The environments that I've put myself in have been very supportive, have allowed me to take leave, have allowed me to jump on my shoulder and I'm on my computer potentially looking at a football template and not the Excel templates I should be looking at, those sorts of things. I know that I've been surrounded by people that have followed me in my coaching journey, um, people that aren't football people, just from my other kind of areas of life that, you know, come to my games and support me as a coach, which I find quite strange because you generally go to watch players, not coaches. But yeah, it's been, I guess, something that I can't imagine myself being able to be where I am now without without that, those support networks. Wonderful to hear. And it does make a difference to feel that you're not on your own and other people really believe in you and your journey, even if it is a bit tricky at times, having that support probably helps to keep you going. Does. Yeah. And what was it about coaching that really appealed to you? I loved working with young girls. I mean, I started when I kind of started to decide to take coaching seriously. It was through one of my best friends who was a coach at the time. He kind of took me under his wing a little bit and was very much of a mentor going through those early years. But being involved in a team environment with young females that you can see so much potential in just you know inside football and outside football I love it and I love being a part of their lives and I love I guess being able to offer support in areas which they potentially haven't gone through as young adults I love being able to challenge myself so learning I guess the game is so massive so there's always something to learn whether it be technical or tactical or even down the sports science side or the communications and and just things like that there's always um, room to to learn and it's interesting that you started not the so the first point you made was not necessarily the technical tactical although that's always things to learn or the communication side but actually was about the support that you could give to girls and women to help them to grow and and develop not only as footballers but almost as people as well yeah, that's right. I think sport, if you're involved in sport, we have a vehicle to do so much more than, I guess, teach on the grass. So throughout my years as a coach, I've I've been confronted with a lot of other issues with players and personal dealings and stuff like that. And quite often that's more rewarding than what's on the pitch, knowing that you've been able to contribute somewhere within their life outside that's helped them become better or whatever it may be. And you do, you, you create personal bonds with these players and these families around them. So it is it's special to be involved in. Absolutely. And I was interested to know, you've been coaching girls and women, as you said. And although in the broader workplace, although there are many similarities between genders, there may also be some difference as well. And I was interested to understand from you, have you found that there are any things that particularly help when coaching and developing women? 
Yeah, I think so. I think being a female myself is very helpful. Uh, we talk about a lot uh, when it comes to the equality conversation and if we can create girls-only environments or have girl, female coaches, not only are they being led by a female role model, but they, that it's a lot more relatable. Um, I don't think in every circumstance that's the right answer, but in a lot of them, especially over my last three or four years now that I'm really diving deep into my, the program that we're running and trying to create more female only environments I can I really do start to see the benefit of it just through the experience of being a mother I can see the benefits of being in a female only environment and I think girls they are so different to boys in the respect of and not in all cases but in in the cases I've seen they love to throw everything at something that they want to do so if they can be supported and encouraged to be able to do that in a safe environment they really do better in there so Part of my kind of going forward plan with what I'm doing now is to grow the girls only side of things, but not just the player pathway, the coaching pathway, the administration pathway, the referee pathway, and help and encourage those girls to be able to feel comfortable facilitating those roles. And it's interesting that you talked about some of the words you said there were around feeling supported and encouraged and comfortable and safe as being quite important. And if I think about the other, other different work environments, I think that often is the case as for, as for women at work. How do you make sure that they feel supported and encouraged, as well as challenged, of course? But I think the maybe traditional mode of coaching sport has been perhaps maybe more of a male-dominated model. And so it's interesting to see that, that different approach that you're taking. Yeah, and it's not to say that there aren't males in the girls' game that do facilitate environments that are just as supportive and safe and stuff like that. Quite often, I guess the trouble with, especially in the talent space, when you have a male picking up a coaching role, quite often you see if they were offered the equivalent or a better male role, they would take it. So the drop-off in coaches is really high. So that's another reason that we can we should be trying to create and produce female coaches for females because you won't see that um, skip to the males game as often and then it just helps sustainability in, in every direction we can go. Just as, I guess, part of the challenge is just as you found to be able to create and carve a career as a female coach is not necessarily easy because maybe I'm, I'm wondering if there's maybe less openness from male teams to be coached by a woman, whereas actually it's sort of more okay for women's teams to be coached by men in the past. Yeah, I think when you look at it like that, it's interesting because we coach, currently I coach some girls teams and we play against boys in the youth grades. And it's always funny listening to sideline chat and I've never been involved in a coaching environment with boys, but I know people that have, are females that have, and more often than not, the players are actually the most supportive. It's it's potentially the parents or the administrators around the team that aren't so supportive. So generally players, as long as you're giving the quality and they can see that, that they will respect, they're not gender biased, that you know, they'll respect the coach as a coach. And quite often where you see the backlashes from the outside that team environment. Really interesting, really interesting perspective on it. And what do you really love about your current work? So I've, I'm in a role now where I can create, I'm kind of creating a program. So working alongside Annalie Longo at Mayland Football, who's current football fan. She's in and out, obviously, with her professional career as a player, but an amazing, I guess, resource to tap into to be able to try and create, I guess, just a landscape in Canterbury that is going to provide opportunities for girls from four to 40, if we can, 
whether that be on the community space or in the talent program. We're just mapping that out at the moment. So it's a very cool project to be involved in. Um, We kind of have a lot of freedom at the moment to kind of run in a direction that we see fit. Currently, we run a pride program that from New Zealand's football's perspective is the best in the country in terms of the girls only program. So having that there as a foundation is a really positive start, but the, the road ahead is a busy one and an exciting one. Yeah, yeah, super. And what was your own journey into getting that head coach role? Yes, it was a uh, patient one. <laughs> hmm. I I started coaching at a club with Gareth Turnbull at Coastal Spirit in around 2011. And in 2013, took the head coach job there and the assistant coach for the Pride. So 2013 was a really big new year for me. In 2014, I did the same two roles. So assistant coach for the Pride and head coach of, you know, a successful women's league team locally. 2014, I had my daughter. So I actually applied for the head Pride role and and got it, but couldn't take it because I think round one was my due date. So that wouldn't have quite worked. However, I was quite grateful that I didn't because I think the moment I had my daughter, obviously your life changes, but my values changed quite significantly. My drive and my direction changed. And so I had two years away from the Canterbury environment. And then in 2018, I got the head coach role where I genuinely believe I was a lot more prepared and ready for then in 2015. So the timing of that was a really nice one. So head coach of the Pride for the last three years. I've also head coach of the New Zealand Secondary Schools for the last six years. And that involves touring, selecting school kids around New Zealand and taking them on a trip, which is also a really rewarding experience because quite often these girls are not the girls that are making New Zealand age group teams. They're just the tier underneath. So it's a really special time and a really special occasion where they can represent their school and themselves. And they do it so well and so proudly. It's really awesome to be involved in. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. And you talked then, Alana, about how, you know, I guess on these podcasts, I haven't generally focused too much on people's women's family lives, on their kids. But, you, you know, you talk quite openly then about actually how having a having your daughter influenced almost your career, your outlook, your perspective, your values. I'd love to hear a bit more about that if you'd be willing to share. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I, she's five. She just turned five this year. Her name's Lulu. She changed my world. She kind of taught me things that I didn't understand yet around the value of time. So that was massive for me to learn the value of time. It saved a lot of, changed the way I coached in terms of my time was so valuable outside of football now. We're before Lulu, I could give so much time to football, I wasted a lot of it. So that was a big learning around I wanted to be at home as much as I wanted to be at football. I also took her everywhere with me. So in those first three years, she was on the sideline of every game. She has grown up with so many powerful female role models. She loves the pride. She talks about them all the time. So it changes your perspective of, I guess, my why and, and why you do things. And I think in early days in the talent space, you can be so result driven and I mean I have been a part of teams that have been very successful but sometimes that can actually mask I guess learnings or the opportunity to learn or it can mask or band-aid problems so checking in with I guess my awareness and my values after having Lulu really did change the way in, in my why I coach because trophies are one thing but they're not enough for me to be coaching I think having 
female role models for the kids coming up through the grades. Now we go into primary schools and coach and things like that. And I get so much enjoyment out of it. I think it's just so valuable in so many more ways than lifting a trophy. And I think particularly coaching kind of the next generation coming through, that you're right. Most kids, yes, well, a win might be nice. It's not why they play sport. It's for the enjoyment and the fun and being with friends and getting out there and the exercise and that. And then I think the longer we we keep our kids enjoying sport, then the more likely we're going to keep people being healthy and active, which, yes, over time may well give New Zealanders a nation a better chance of winning trophies. But that's, I guess it's not really the point. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely room for a talent, the talent side of thing. And there are definitely kids we generate that are so driven by results. But, you know, when you're looking at that's 2% of the sporting population and everyone underneath it is just as, you should be viewed as just as valued as that person that wants to win. I know she's only five, but she's not interested in, in the sports side of football whatsoever, but she absolutely loves helping setting out the bibs and blowing the whistle and picking up the cones and, and dancing in the changing room with the girls at the end of the game and things like that. So, yeah, it's great to have her around um, and the girls love it too. Yeah, wonderful. And as you say, it just gives you that different perspective too. And Alana, you talked about some of the challenges along the way, working different jobs, having to be patient at times. What have been, as you look back, what have been some of your toughest career challenges or moments? Yeah, it's interesting because I've never looked at I guess football as a man's sport because I just grew up with it my whole life. My dad was my coach. I was always in a boys' team because there just wasn't girls' teams. And I, I never looked at it as a gender. And it's only until now where I'm you know, trying to create girls-only environments that you do see the, the challenges with the gender. In terms of my qualifications through football, you're one female in a room of 40 men and genuine men, not boys. So it can be intimidating for a lot of people. It's not something that's ever really bothered me in terms of sharing the space with the men. I think what I find challenging is a lot of the resources and data they use in these environments where are meant to be educational are male-dominated. So they're giving you stats around things that are about the men's EPL leagues and things like that. And that, that there's a lot of area in football where there's no relevance so the crossover between men's and women's football there are so many differences technically that a lot of the statistics wouldn't be relevant so I guess that's changing so there's a lot more images of females and of course around the world if you have a look there's a lot more females in football especially coming out of America and and Japan and places like that they're making a stand and so we are seeing female clips in these male environments and, and things like that but there is there's always been that I guess obstacle, New Zealand football's based in Auckland. That would probably be my second obstacle when it come to trying to, I guess, get into the New Zealand football framework. I'm based in Christchurch, so I'm based in Auckland, and I guess until I'm prepared to change that, there's a lack, there's a lack of opportunity to move forward in that respect. Yeah. And I'm interested, there is for many women, whether it's in technology maybe or, or engineering or certain science fields or construction, they'll often find themselves as one of a few women in the room or where, as you say, maybe the data, the analysis is not so relevant for them in some way. How have you coped in those circumstances? How have you worked your way through that? I actually just don't think about it. I think you can you can go into these environments and feel hard done by or feel I guess isolated I think I was a little naive going into these but it's probably put me in a favor because I see myself where I see myself and it's on par with these people in these courses and I'm just as qualified as you need to be coaching a national side whether it's men you know a man's league or a woman's league 
I think it's when you start to think about it too much and become a victim but not prepared to do anything about it, that's when I guess it can get on top of you. So, yeah, I mean, a part of my job, and I am a patient person, I do want to create awareness and change around the, the area of equality in, in women's sport, but it's something I'm comfortable with at the moment. If you look at the numbers of football, there's massive numbers of boys, so the percentage of male coaches to female coaches you know, could be correct in some circumstances in terms of what's underneath, but where I would like to see change is actually if we can grow the player base and we can grow the female coaching base around it, then you know we can walk into these rooms and have a 50-50 split would be, you know, that would be winning for me. Mm, fantastic. And as you said, I like you, you talked about actually, well, you can't necessarily change it. You, there's no point in just getting too down about it, but kind of working on what you can, being yourself, recognising for yourself that you belong. And over time, having that patience to try and look at how you can change the the environment for the better. Yeah, great. And I'm particularly interested, as I said, I think you've coached Canterbury United Pride to three successive national titles. What do you think that you might have done to help contribute to that success? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's been an interesting ride. And I think now looking forward into 2021 and hopefully a few more years, winning three trophies in my first three years for my personal growth potentially might not have been the best thing to do. But in, in terms of what I can now create because we are a winning team and because we are known around New Zealand as a uh, team that's had the three-peat and that, that sort of thing really does help build the building blocks of promoting women's football. And I have so much pride in the pride brand that we're creating um, that I think culture is massive. We play a massive part in these girls' lives. We train full-time in the season we get to know their friends and their family and what motivates them a lot of the time is their friends and their families and the fact that they can play in front of their parents every second week and things like that is really important so I think what I'm good at and what I can bring is that ability to bond a community together just not looking at the, the 23 to 30 players you're working with but what the I guess the outside life looks like and being really accepting and we vary from girls that are at high school to girls that are starting a brand new job that are in exams and you know all these different scenarios and we're asking them to be at their best for about 12 weeks of the year at a generally a really busy time of the year as well for everyone so I guess to be able to be understanding and have a culture where you are allowed to feel like a human as much as a professional athlete or a student or, or whatever they're doing at the time is invaluable and yeah that's the kind of environment I love to create and I definitely think it's been a huge driver towards the su- success of the team. Mm, I think it's a great example of creating a, a culture where people feel like they can belong and be themselves and very inclusive by the sounds of things and recognising all the differences that people bring. Yeah that's right and I mean it's not something that's happened well like off day dot and I think one of the biggest I guess learnings I've made in that time was we had player meetings all the time and things like that and at the start of one season after the end of another I did have a player come down and sit down next to me and express that she didn't have a great time and she felt undervalued and all these things that if we pride ourselves on wasn't happening and which was a massive learning curve for me because I think too often if you are successful it does hide those areas and she did really well and being so brave to be able to I guess communicate that and um, I'm so grateful for her to be able to do that because it taught me so much going forward and that was coming out of my first year so in my second year and my third year that was definitely an area 
where I wanted to improve in my personal, I guess, responsibility of these people and these players to make sure that they are getting the best from themselves throughout the time they're with us. Mm, And as you say, she was very brave to bring that up. But also you created that environment where she could, which which would have made a big difference to her speaking up about that, I'm sure. You've got a busy life outside of work as well as a busy, as I said, might be quite all-consuming role. How do you find some sense of balance between your work and your broader life? Um, I think, yeah, I, I do busy. Yeah, I still work as well. So I still work outside of football. And then I'm a single mum now. So I have Lulu and she's just started school. So that's kind of changed the balance of what our weeks look like a little bit because, of course, coaching is all afternoon and evenings. But I value my life as a, a, a mother most of first and foremost so and like I said time is such a gift so I think ever since Lulu was born I've been really good at having awareness of what keeps me motivated and how I can self-manage myself through weeks and terms and seasons and keeping that healthy balance through family life and we Lulu and I I'm grateful that she can come into my football world because it does help the amount of time I can spend with her but we do a lot outside of football as well we keep busy so I think it's an awareness thing. If you can understand what your motivation and your true happiness comes from then and, and manage to keep that balance, then you can tick away as busy as you are. You can tick away quite nicely. And I, I like the way you talk about it. It wasn't necessarily about where you spent the amount of time that you spend in somewhere. It was, was almost about okay, what gives me happiness or motivation and making sure that you're focusing and prioritising those and that you find gives you balance. Yeah, that's right. I think and most people can have the awareness to know what their triggers are of stress or overworked. And I guess in the industry we work in, there's always a lot of pressure to have high hours and to put in that extra. But if you can get systems in place and we're, I'm very structured Monday to Sunday now with school pickups and drop-offs and training times and all those sorts of things. So when that, you know, sways a little bit, the triggers will come out and it's important that you can get back on that train pretty quickly. Yeah, I am. Um, so I have three kids myself and I talk a bit about the, the kind of the jigsaw puzzle of how everything fits together. Yeah. <laughs> when one piece comes out, everything starts to sort of feel a little bit wobbly. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We talked a bit about some of your tough times or, or some of the challenges that you might face. What have been some of your proudest career moments? It's really funny because I think being a coach, we talk about being a player-centered coach, which, you know, is very much one of my values and very much who I am and, and want to be going forward. Talking about my prior career moments are generally team involved moments I think the way we won the the title in 2018 was into extra time it's it was quite a, a full-on game we were away to northern who you know were full of these class players and I definitely wouldn't consider myself someone that cried a lot but at that final whistle I thought I didn't know what I was gonna how I was gonna react but I just burst into tears and I kind of re- on reflection looked back at that and I was like oh what, why did I react like that like what's such a strange thing for me to react but I think I was just so proud of, I guess, the environment we were in. It was extremely challenging. My journey that year was the year that I I had separated with my partner of 16 years, so I'd become a single mum, and I'd finally got this job as this National Women's League coach that I'd been waiting for four years for, and to be able to, I guess, win in such dramatic fashion was just such a strange but overwhelmingly cool feeling. It's definitely a highlight that comes to me every time I'm kind of asked that question. It makes me emotional thinking about it now. 
the other thing I love and as a career highlights for me is seeing these girls reach their goals. So a lot of my work's in the talent space and I work with girls from you know, 14 to 20 that are trying to make these national sides and, and trying to achieve personal goals. And when you see these girls do it or when they, there's nothing more rewarding than watching one of the girls put on a New Zealand shirt and represent their country That and because you see what goes goes on underneath and that time and effort that they put into their craft. Yeah, that's pretty rewarding as well. And for but you know for both of those stories, as you said, it's all the hard work and the effort and the changes and improvements over many years, almost culminating that that creates that sense of pride rather than being a, at just a single moment. Yeah, that's right. And you talked, I guess, a bit about in terms of your career, maybe some of the challenges of being Christchurch, but that's not necessarily where New Zealand football is based. Where do you see your career heading in the future? Yeah, I think this year has been a really good start in a new direction for me. So this is the first time that I've been. I guess, formally employed by a federation. All coaching generally is contracted. So I'm now getting paid for a lot of the stuff I've been doing for many years. But now that Lulu's at school, there is a bit of a shift and I want to start now, I guess, putting a bit more time back into my development as a coach. So there's licences that, that I want to start going on and potentially a little bit of study around it. So they only run every two years. So next year there's the A licence, which I want to sit in and pass. And that's quite a heavy one that will take maybe a couple of years and and go down that track and then as Lulu gets a little bit older that's when I could probably start thinking about venturing out of Christchurch if that's some direction I want to go in because there is opportunities not just in New Zealand but even around the islands in Australia with the W League which are all close enough to home for Lulu and her her family and support network as well. And it's interesting that then your job is so tied up almost in location as well that there may be a certain point in time in which you might outgrow Christchurch in terms of potential coaching career, but also you're thinking about family as well and how those things work together. Your career is not, it's not a decision you make in isolation. It's a decision that you make thinking about your broader life as well. Yeah, that's right. And I can't do what I do now without my family support network, especially around Lulu, but for myself as well. I live close to to my small family and they're very supportive in what I do and I don't know how well I would manage without them and especially when it comes to Lulu and on-call babysitters. <laughs> it's very helpful. So I guess putting yourself in a new environment when we're probably not quite ready for just yet, but definitely something down the track we will potentially look at. And I think careers and priorities and things change over time and they change depending on your family circumstances at the time as well. It's, um, yeah, I guess that's the old adage change is the only constant probably in terms of thinking about the, the career and where it might go next. Yeah. I'd love to ask you one last question, Alana, is what career advice would you have for other women? I think there's a real element of two, th- uh, like the two things that I guess I find most beneficial in my makeup would be I genuinely know where my values lie. So I identified early what my values are and I'm prepared to change them where I see fit. So I reflect on my values all the time and I try to stay true to them as to as best as I can. And then confidence is another thing. So I've had to grow my confidence in many areas to public speaking, to, I guess, being able to silence a room if needed and different areas of physical and verbal confidence as well, which is really important. And I think it's done me wonders. I think if I can walk into a room now full of grown men and be comfortable standing in front of them and, and speaking with confidence and, and genuinely knowing what I'm talking about really does help. And it helps gain that respect as a person and 
silence a few if, if that's what's needed. So knowing who you are and, and living by your values, but having the confidence to do too, being proud of yourself for those values. I know that I'm very aware of who I am as a person and, and where I want to go in my life. And I think having that confidence to be able to drive that from yourself is, is mm. really important, especially in a male, if you're in something that is male dominated. Mm. Absolutely. And I wanted to ask in my work, obviously different kind of coaching, but in my work with women, it's probably the most common thing that comes that that women come to me with is I just like to have more confidence. And sometimes that's the inner side, self-belief. Sometimes it's the outer side. Everyone has different reasons why confidence might be challenging for them or ways that they might work through it. What has helped you to build your confidence over time? Yeah, I've been, it's really funny, I've genuinely always been quite a shy person until I'm in an environment where I'm surrounded by people I know and then I'm the centre of attention. So quite a flip side, I can be really extroverted, but more often than not, I'm quite introverted. So I guess in the roles that I do now, especially facilitating things with groups of parents and even when it comes down to networking and stuff like that, I've really struggled. So it's just making sure that when you are getting into environments that you're outside of your comfort zone, a, you're doing it often, so putting yourself out in that comfort so we're uncomfortable more often, but being prepared. So public speaking was a massive one for me and my sister helped me hugely and, and all she did was she used to sit in the back of the room and count my ums. So <laughs> every time I'd finish speaking in front of a crowd, I'd come back to a number of ums that I said and and she knew me so well, she knew how much it would grind me and annoy me. I would always make sure I would be going to these things now a lot more prepared and, and ready and practiced and, and my arms eventually got down a little bit, which was really, you know, such a simple concept but really effective for me. And then, yeah, just having the, I guess, you have to be brave. You have to be brave to improve something and spend time where you're uncomfortable. So it's, sometimes it just takes a deep breath and that first step forward to, to get yourself there. And I think when you're there, you find it's a lot more easier than you originally imagined it could be. And I like the way you talked about it is, you know, almost it's, yes, there was the reflecting on your values piece, but it was also about doing something. So doing something, trying something, getting some feedback, doing it again, maybe a little bit differently. And also this piece about bravery. And I find when in working with people, that's so important is, is about being a bit more brave or a bit more courageous. And actually that almost can be even more motivating than trying to be more confident because it's something that we want to work towards. All of us would like to be a bit more brave and that gives you impetus to, to take some action. So yeah, great point. Alana, it's been such a pleasure to speak with you today. I have three sons and my two eldest play football and my eldest went to watch the Canterbury Pride final last year <laughs> and, and he said it was the most exciting game of football he'd ever watched. So cool. I think it's absolutely changing the environment for girls and women coming through, but also for boys and men recognising that girls and women's sport is incredibly exciting and dynamic. And I thank you for the work that you do in, in raising that profile and thank you for sharing your own career journey today. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Female Career Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. For more inspiring stories of women of Aotearoa and their careers, subscribe to the Female Career Podcast via Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you like to listen so that you never miss a story. You can also take a look at our website, thefemalecareer.com, where we feature the stories. And if you subscribe to our mailing list, you can have career advice and inspiration delivered directly to your inbox. Thanks for your support, and I look forward to you joining us again soon. Bye.